This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 53. Increasing clouds tonight, low around 31. Mostly cloudy Saturday, high near 46. Sunday, cloudy, rain likely in the afternoon, high near 51. A blaze that erupted where homeless people were staying resulted in the closure of a Binghamton Bridge. City firefighters were sent to the VFW Memorial Bridge on Bevere Street around 8.20 p.m. Wednesday when several people reported a fire under the span. Firefighters were able to extinguish the blaze with a single water line. No injuries were reported as a result of the fire. Broome County, which owns the bridge, and the State Department of Transportation were notified of the blaze. The encampment was located on the east side of the Shenango River. Clothing, cooking utensils, and a grill were among the items damaged by the fire. The heat generated by the blaze reportedly caused some warping of the steel structure under the bridge. Pigginton Police and Fire Departments continue their investigation. Bevere Street was closed between Front and Shenango Streets while engineers inspected the bridge. The center lane of the bridge is expected to remain closed for several days while repair work is underway. Broome County Public Works Commissioner Roger Brown urged drivers to use alternate routes when possible. Binghamton police are working to find the suspect in connection with a shooting that occurred at an east side home. Police officers were sent to the single-family residence at 9 Andrews Avenue around 1035 on Thursday morning. Authorities said a man at the home had sustained a gunshot wound to an arm. The injury did not appear to be life-threatening. Police said the man, whose name was not released, was taken to a hospital for treatment. His condition was not known. Area police agencies were advised that the suspected shooter was a man who had been wearing a mask and a camouflage jacket. It was not known whether the suspect left the scene in a vehicle. Investigators believe the man who was wounded and the shooter know each other. The house where the shooting happened is on Andrews Avenue between Robinson Street and East Frederick Street. It's located less than a block south of East Middle School and a short distance west of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. Police advised the school district to lock down those buildings for a short time after the shooting as a precaution. According to the Broome County Sheriff's Office Facebook page, Broome County Sheriff's Office patrols, the New York State Department of Transportation, and local volunteer firefighters, including Shenango Fire Company, Shenango Bridge Fire Company, and Triangle Fire Company, were on the scene early this morning responding to a tractor-trailer fire on Interstate 81 southbound between Exit 7 and Exit 6 in the town of Shenango. One lane had been shut down as first responders dealt with a fire which occurred in a trailer containing frozen food. According to the Delaware County District Attorney, on December 11th, William Polhamus of Harpersville pleaded guilty to endangering the welfare of a child on July 4th in the village of Walton. Prior to pleading guilty, Polhamus admitted that he engaged in a verbal altercation with an adult female while the female's six-year-old child was present in the same home. 
He also admitted that the child probably heard him yelling profanities and that his actions were likely injurious to the six-year-old child's mental or moral welfare. The guilty plea was entered as part of a negotiated disposition. It is anticipating that Palhemus will be sentenced to one year in jail and will be required to pay fines and surcharges, as well as provide a sample of his DNA for inclusion in the New York State DNA database. He waived his right to appeal the conviction and sentence. The courthouse in New York City, where former President Donald Trump's civil business trial fraud had been taking place, was briefly evacuated hours after testimony concluded. Firefighters arrived at the New York State Supreme Court building in Lower Manhattan shortly after 4 p.m. Wednesday to respond to an alarm on the fourth floor of the building. A court spokesperson says a person was arrested after setting fire to papers, then dousing them with a fire extinguisher. Those who were evacuated were allowed to return shortly afterward. No injuries were reported. The New York State Police are participating in a special enforcement initiative to crack down on impaired and reckless driving this holiday season. The enforcement campaign is part of the National Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over initiative that runs now through January 1st. Drivers can expect to see sobriety checkpoints along with more troopers on roadways during the campaign. In addition to the DWI checkpoints and patrols, troopers will be watching for distracted drivers, vehicle occupants who are not properly buckled up, and drivers violating the move-over law. State police will also conduct underage drinker enforcement details statewide. During the campaign, troopers will be using both marked state police vehicles and concealed identity traffic enforcement vehicles as part of the operation. During last year's crackdown, state police arrested 453 people for DWI, issued 32,934 tickets, including 11,305 tickets for speeding. 912 for distracted driving, and 316 for the move-over law. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now, Friday, December 15th, 2023. As we take to the air, good times are ahead. People are preparing for weekend festivities across the USA. And everyone reportedly is happy. 607-772-1290. If you'd like to talk with us, I plan to be here till noon. Unless there's breaking news that requires me to leave the studio. Again, the number is 607-772-1290. We begin our proceedings on the West Coast. Scotty from Northern California. Morning. Morning, Bobby. Happy Friday. Back at ya, man. You going to play some happy music today? Yeah, probably. That's what people want. Like they say, give the people what they want. I want some happy music, and I'm the people. The biggest, one of the people. The happiest. No, one of many. One of many. Now, Bobby, I got two things I wanted to bring up. Um, 
First thing is, why do I have to watch Stephen Colbert for my news? Why can't I get news somewhere else besides Stephen Colbert? Because America's information infrastructure has been dismantled bit by bit, piece by piece, by the corporate it, puppet masters. And, and I say this because he... You know, he shows the former guy saying some ludicrous stuff that you don't see on the news channels. I'm, I'm sure even the Fox network doesn't play it. But, you know, that whole bus incident when he was, you know, him and Billy Bush were doing their locker room talk thing. Yeah, he was I, doing. yeah that was the thanks to that tape. That was the uh, as far as I know, the only time in the history of the New York Times that the F word was actually spelled out on the front page above the fold, October 8th, 2020. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, all right. I, yeah, but, I, um, I heard a couple sadly, of your viewers using the, using the F bomb. Well, you know, you know so. we, not everybody is blessed with a big vocabulary. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> if you have a choice of only 50 or 60 words, you resort. Fudge. fudge. Yes. Mm, fudge holiday fudge. fudge. There you go. But, um, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, I was in some locker rooms in my day in high school and nobody ever talked like that. And it was like, maybe rich people have a different locker room etiquette than, you know, the average man, the average person, I should say. I don't know. It's like, and then did you hear this thing where he had one of his rambling, you know, uh, pep rally somewhere and he was saying that a general said he did the most courageous thing ever when he brought up that whole Bush and, uh, Billy Bush incident and said in a rally, like, oh, uh, yeah, I was locker room talk, people. There's nothing more. And he, a general told him that was the bravest thing he's ever seen. He's like, what? <laughs> what? Did you, did you hear about that? No, no, sadly, I missed that one. And I had to hear it on Stephen Colbert. I mean, you don't, you know, luckily, you know, nobody takes him serious anymore, but it's just. Well, like, some people, some people take him very seriously. Some people, I, every once in a while, I see clips of his adoring fans uh, before, during, or after a rally. Some of the things that you hear, uh, and I, I'll only paraphrase because I don't have transcripts, but one I saw yesterday, somebody basically said, he's, he's here to save our country. He's our savior. And, <laughs> He will, you know, starting starting when he gets back in the White House, he will fix everything that's bad. And also, there was some sort of reference to retribution. People who are not with us are going to be in big trouble. Again, I'm paraphrasing. They weren't very specific. Yeah. They didn't say executions, but it certainly sounded... It, it sounded at least mildly threatening. Like, if you haven't been fully supportive of the agenda that you might want to invest in security guards yeah, or, or move, to, move right. to a different country while you still have a chance. Because remember, sure. on day one, on day one, when the dictator's in charge, uh, you know, who, who knows? You might round certain people up, certain radio people who have not been 100% loyal. Yeah, and who, who's Bob, to say? Bob, Bob, <laughs> I will break you out. I will make that. If you get thrown, any, if he comes after you, I will look after you, Bobby. I think a lot of the listeners would. Even some of the listeners who may disagree with me on certain things oh, they'd would come, still, Yeah, they'd be on your side, yeah. Bobby. So, you, you know, second, second thing I want to bring yes. up is I heard one of your viewers yesterday, and he was, uh, you know, bashing the economy, saying how bad it was, saying his portfolio is bad and inflation. I'm thinking... 
my portfolio is doing great. Good girl. Good golly. Ms. Molly is like money's just like falling out of the skies on, you know, my stocks. And, and well, thinking, that's, I, I received uh, messages from at least two other viewers yesterday that, that indicated their 401ks as of Thursday <laughs> had never been higher. They were like celebrating yeah. good times. I mean, I never, November, I, God, it, it was just like, holy guacamole, have a couple more of those months and I'll buy an island down in the Caribbean. Well, That's if it far. keeps up like that, uh, tens of millions of additional Americans would be able to retire if it keeps up like that for another 12 months. Well, you know, December's not too bad either. And now the Fed's going to be lowering rates in 2024. But I'm thinking when I heard that when your viewers say that, I'm thinking either they have a bad financial advisor or they just pick bad selections themselves it's like you know if you want every 15 minutes a week bob i can do like uh karen sweet o'neill and give a <laughs> if, you, if you want no Free. i'll i'll, I'll trust Free. i'll trust our listeners to make uh, thoughtful decisions but you know if you invest in certain enterprises that don't stand much of a chance in the future you do have to be careful what you dump your money into and and of course and remember i have no training financial training but i would always say diversify your portfolio don't put all your exactly. eggs in in a in one, uh, single one, yeah. basket so. you know last thing is uh nikki haley now nikki haley you know she seems to be you know the uh celebrity du jour for the uh financial people giving money to some republicans to beat trump or to beat the former guy i'm sorry anyhow but nikki haley is going to make a faustian deal she's going to be second, uh, you know, behind the former guy. She's going to take the vice presidency knowing, hey, this guy is not the best thing for the country, but odds are 50-50, he may not make it four years, you know, so she'll be president. So she'll say, okay, you know what, I'll take this deal. And then all of a sudden, this be like, oh, would she really be vice president if Trump did all, or the former guy did all those things? And, you know, you know, assaulting women, this and that, and porn stars, and Playboy centerfold models and paying off everybody. You can't be that bad, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have no answer to that. <laughs> anyway, Scotty. Come on, Bob. Hey, when, when you I see... Like to hear your viewers. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to bother most of the viewers. You might like my views, but most of the viewers would be upset. Uh, you know, when, you know when, your viewers, Bobby? I love every one of your viewers because, you know, they're entertaining. They're they good. really uh, make my day. I, I enjoy, I appreciate all callers. And, you know, and I think, truth be told, even if they don't say it on the air, truth be told, they appreciate the way the host conducts the proceedings in a way that is fair and balanced. And that's not it's just a phrase. That's not that. just a trademark phrase to try to confuse people. That's, that's actually the mission. That's my mission. You know, one last thing about the whole Biden, Bidenomics and all that is in California, every interstate has had construction on it now. The infrastructure is being built up, which has been decades in the making. I don't know about upstate New York if, uh, you know, 81 has a lot of repairs going on, but this wouldn't have happened without that uh, Infrastructure Repair Act. And it's like, you know, people don't realize that. <laughs> There's a lot more than just going on, you know, tweeting in the middle of the night from the toilet, things like that. To be <laughs> Please. <present>. Please. <laughs> I don't need the imagery. All right. Thank you. That's the report from Northern California making contemporary news. 607-772-1290. There is a lot to talk about today. Sadly, I can only be on the air till noon.
Nothing changes. Nothing, nothing will change the end time of the program. It will end at exactly noon, whether you or I like it. So keep that in mind and call early for greater viewing satisfaction. 607-772-1290, Friday edition, Binghamton Now with Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF Live Local. Let's take another call at 924. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? God bless America. Thank God for Marshall Amplifiers. John from Binghamton. Hold on a sec. I like this part. The big end. Number three. Oh, sorry. Rudiments. Rudiments, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> yeah, new from Wrigley's. Rudiments. Hey, what's up, Johnny? Well, I've been around, and uh, I'm kind of distressed. Uh, oh, uh, Magnus Energy opened up at uh, under two cents. So Now's the uh, time. Buy low, sell high. Yeah. Or no, that, so, was, that uh, was the guy selling the weed up at the drive through window. Buy low, sell high. You know, I figured it out, Bob. Uh, you know, uh, my uh, my goal here is really quite simple. Uh, better people will equal better government. And I, I think the problem here, I know everybody's a sinner. I know all that. Uh, but we have an extraordinary percentage of people uh, with a proven track record of uh, character flaws and we have better people out there that are not running for office, more stable people. Uh, and I think we should encourage those people to come forward. We'll get better government with better people. There's no question in my mind. But I I went to the legislature meeting, and, you know, these, <laughs> these people are so small-minded. They actually roped off more of the seating, you know, to... To, to narrow my movements, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. They think this enterprise is theirs. They think it's a private company. Well, they uh, run it, but they're supposed to be running it for us. I mean, they they have been given the honor and the privilege of running the operation, but they're supposed to be doing it on behalf of their constituents, including you, you are a valued constituent. And I I did get 
some resumes. I picked up a longstanding Freedom of Information Act, and I I went over one, and it's hysterical. Uh, it's the the person claims credit for the donation of the Charles Street parking or a Charles Street power uh, plant within two weeks. He he wrapped that up within two weeks. That's that's uh, on his resume. <laughs> Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm, and okay. it's interesting, he also refers to his time as judge, but he he left out the fact that he left and he can't be a judge anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. as, as they say, if, you know, if you have further questions, you know, ask them. But as, as far as, you know, how do most people, I think from stories I've read, most people, when they're, putting the together their resume or updating the resume there's a there's a certain art to it a certain finesse i mean you don't you don't want to do you don't want to go the route of george santos because that clearly would be wrong well, but but some people so how i mean i think they're trying to strike many people who are putting together their resume for the first time or updating the resume if they're looking for new employment, I think I think they want a certain blend of truthiness and you mix in a little bit of resume helper, a couple of hel uh, cups of resume helper from Betty Crocker, and then you hope that it's, uh, you, you, you know, put it in the oven at 350 for 40 minutes and you hope that it turns out to be a nice frothy, concoction that um that will get, land you a job and and hopefully nobody will ever see your resume again you know through well, a freedom of information request and scrutinize I, some of the factoids you know i ask these people questions and uh, an interesting you know you can't beat the truth uh because yesterday i was armed for bear you know and i point the camera at a legislator and I said, where were you on January 6th? And without missing a beat, he said, Washington, D.C. <laughs> so that's what I was trying to get him to uh, evade. And he uh, trumped me uh, with the truth. And, and the, I, I, the truth shall set you free. Yeah, yeah. So I had absolute, other than chuckling to myself, I had absolute, I had, first of all, I had great respect for the guy. Well, I always have great respect for people who um, respond to any direct question with a direct answer, even if at first you might think, huh, huh, I don't know if it was me if I would give that direct answer because it might not be viewed in some quarters as as necessarily a positive, but as opposed to not prevaricating, but sort of being disingenuous. Sometimes when questions are posed, you get a sense that the respondent is doing everything in her power to avoid the, just the, all we want sometimes is a one or two word answer. A lot of times that's all that is necessary to respond to a direct thought thoughtful question and sometimes we're treated to um, 60 seconds or a couple of minutes that it just seems designed to take us further away from the question that was posed well yeah in, in past encounters this guy's been known to have some temper uh, tantrums with me but he answered the question and i respect him and you know we are as far as uh, politics uh, 
uh, we agree on a lot of things. So it's it's interesting. Uh, uh, Dan Reynolds wouldn't answer the question about uh, gerrymandering. He doesn't want to answer anything. And then it was off to the uh, Board of Trustee uh, meeting for SUNY Broom. And I can tell you the bad news was revealed uh, that, of course, without this infusion of uh, COVID money or whatever, uh, they would uh, be done already. And uh, draconian cuts are coming. Uh, staff reductions are coming. Enrollment is down by 30 percent. And all this goes against that great Kevin Drum narrative, which he denied to me numerous times. Uh, that, uh, you know, everything was well at Broome Community College. No, it isn't. And I feel sorry for the poor guy that's in there now. He's the fall guy. Uh, and it's all coming apart. And uh, I was there. I heard it. I videoed it. And uh, they can't deny it. So we'll see what happens. And, and one final thing, the petition in Windsor uh, for the reinstatement of Mark Ayers, and I asked Paul Battisti about it yesterday, and he, he wouldn't do it. But I did also ask Jason Andrews yesterday, and he, Jason Andrews says he's not in charge of the SRO program in Windsor, but it, the petition itself is up to like uh, 900 signatures. So that's that's a substantial amount of people that live in Windsor want this guy as their school resource officer. Uh, and uh, it's a crying shame that uh, uh, it's it's uh, Paul Battisti and Fred Akshar running a political uh, vendetta. Oh, and the last curiosity is the Festival of Lights, this this Akshar family Festival of Lights, is that going to be uh, paid for by them or their campaign funds? I would, And I'd be interested to see how much it costs for uh, one day uh, to buy the Festival of Lights for one day. And those, those things were left out of the report, the obvious. All right. Question. Well, I appreciate the call. Hope you have a great yep. weekend. Yep, see you, Bob. And that is the report from Binghamton's West Side that's making contemporary news. We're getting a lot of reports. And when I say a lot, so far two reports. We started off with a report from Northern California from a contributor there and also our uh, contributor on the west side of Binghamton. Who will contribute next? That is the beauty of this program. We have contributors who are able to call in using state-of-the-art cell phone technologies to give us the latest, what's happening in their neck of the woods. 607-772-1290. I call the program Binghamton now. My name is Bob Joseph. The station is WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. But his name wasn't Bill. His name was Dadu Ron Ron. Binghamton's West Side, you're on the air. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to be known possibly as the Duke of the West Side, uh, the Du Ron 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 of the West Side. Thank you, Bob. Uh, nice intro. I did have a thought about, uh, you know, these um, old diminutives uh, like 
my name is Ronald. I, I don't like Ronald. I'm, I'm a Ron. But some people uh, that I meet from time to time, uh, they take it upon themselves, and no problem, but they, they refer to me as Ronnie. I don't, I don't know where, I'm not a Ronnie, but there are some people that know me and call me Ronnie. I, I go along with it. And the reason I'm thinking of that is you got a call from the fellow on the West Coast, and you get a call from Tom in Susquehanna, and they refer to you as Bobby. And uh, to me, you're a Bob or a Robert, but not a Bobby. I was wondering how you feel about being called Bobby. I don't care what anyone calls me. Just don't call me late for lunch. Now, come on. You're, you're, uh, you're uh, diverting the heart of my question here. Tell me, in your soul, Bob, deep down, is it Bob, Robert, or Bobby? I refer to myself on the program as Bob Joseph, but if somebody else wants to refer to me as Bobby or Robert, that's fine with me. Just like with you, it's fine if someone wants to refer to you as Ronnie, but yeah. Hey, Bobby. Hey, you. Wait, hold on. All right. Get your butt in here. What? Hold, hold on. All right, it's Don Donnie Morgan. Hi, hey. Donnie. Oh, hi, Bobby. So, Donnie, so, I mean, we have Billy Flynn. Yes. Yeah. And we have you, Donnie Morgan, with First News Binghamton, weekday mornings from 6 to 9, yeah. here at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. Uh, Raji Neal. Raji Neal. <laughs> Reginald Neal. Reginald. Reginald. <laughs> Wasn't that Elton John's real name? Reginald. Yes. Reginald, you're right. Yeah. So, anyway, I mean, are we? Are you going to announce the new format today? Or are we waiting till <laughs> Monday morning? We have a very special announcement. We're not going to do it today, are we? Oh, Mannheim Christmas all the time. Oh, that's. Oh, I. Where did that thing go? Oh, I I grabbed the, the copy because okay. I had to record a promo. So. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask you about that. I saw yesterday that it's coming back, and I thought, yes. What did I miss the staff meeting? You know, was no. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, but all right. Anything else I need to know that we need to discuss on the air live no, I'm about? Just, I'm just in the other studio doing some work, listening okay. to you. Oh. Well, thank you. See, I can multitask. Yeah, yeah well, around right here. That's multitasking. Yes. I don't know. And we will do it. Anyway, <laughs> if um, if I don't see you between now and the holidays, happy whatever yeah, it is. I happy know. whatever whatever you guys do. We kind of pass in the morning. Don't see each other. <laughs> it I, depends. I, I leave the studio. You come into the studio. Well, and I yeah. go home before you're off the studio. Out of yeah, the studio. It's, it's a strange existence, but you know. <laughs> Somehow it works. Yes, it does. So anyway, well, hey, thanks for popping in. Oh, oh. By the way, not not that it's any of my darn business. You got any big plans for the weekend? I don't, but I'm sure my wife will. I bet. <laughs> I bet she oh, does. Oh, yes, and I have to start thinking thinking about holiday shopping. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it went I, over a week away. I was just looking. It's like, yeah, better, better get her. Okay, thank you, Donnie. Yeah, two days before Christmas. Yes. And all through the house. That's right. Uh, all right. All right. Whatever you're doing, stop it. Well, okay. Well, I'll continue. We re now we return to our regularly scheduled call. Thank you, Ron, for your patience. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love well, this. I, I love this I, place. I was going to ask Donnie a question, and uh, I was going to ask him, tell me, Donnie, what is Bobby Joseph really like? That was... That was <laughs> no, nobody, nobody really knows. 
No. no. The, the mystery persists after all these years. The real, yeah. the real Bobby is still the in- a mystery. The intrigue mm-hmm. deepens every day. The, in- the inscrutable one. That's what you are. Hey, I do have a, a topic, uh, actually, uh, after all of this little foolery. Um, you, you know, we're in the heart of, and, uh, of football mania season. You know, it's the playoffs, and we're getting to the college bowls and the championship uh, college game. I think it's January 8th for the national championship. And, of course, all of the, you know, Buffalo's playing Dallas this weekend and so on. So it, it's big stuff. And I, I just wanted, in the midst of all of this mirth merriment about football, uh, mention two things. One, from the New York Times recent, I think you know about it, the, uh, the New York Times has uh, published a, a really stark and important piece about parents who have lost their children in their late teens and 20s. And these were kids who started playing football uh, in grade school at the age of five, six, eight years old. And now the parents are coming forward, of course, and ruining the day that they ever allowed their children to bang their heads around in uh, football under the age of 12. And, and these children are gone. They uh, have died from suicide, alcoholism, all sorts of things because the kids had chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE. Uh, The National Football League does not want you to know that. In fact, there are all sorts of things now. I noticed, uh, you know, promos about uh, football and building young minds and kids. And it's really uh, disingenuous of the National Football League to be doing that. I mean, the National Football League is the biggest promoter of uh, concussions and concussion protocols and all that kind of stuff. But he, but the New York Times article, six parents who are talking about how they lost their children. Children should not be playing football. Now, the Washington Post just came out with a story, and you can look, look that up, about four great Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, Paul Hornig, who played uh, for the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers, great, great player, Heisman winner, and Howard Hopalong Cassidy, and Charles White from USC, just fan- I think he was from USC. Great, great players. They won the Heisman. Uh, they're all dead. They all had CTE. Uh, some of them lived on. Some of them died kind of early, but uh, some of them lived on. But even in their final years, in their later years, they suffered from, uh, you know, losing their personalities and such. So in this time of regaling the uh, football season, I just want to uh, mention to the parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles out there, we're going to turn the corner into 2024. Uh, Everything points to not allowing children to play tackle football. And um, I'm going to preempt some calls you're going to get about this. And please, DJ, don't call about the device that you put on your chin and it protects you, some quacky thing that some doctor came out with. All of the evidence, the hard evidence is that you shouldn't hit your head, jar your brain inside your skull, and if you're a youth, you're in for big, big problems down the line. 
So that's my Christmas message. It's not All a right. very happy. Oh, I like it. I think it's happy. So thank you for the message. No, it's happy because if people pay attention to your point, their kids are going to be healthier and live more enjoyable lives. So I think it's happy. I'm expressing optimism that listeners, parents, grandparents will um, start making better decisions. Thank you very much, Ronnie, on the west side. Beverly, in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Um, thank you very much, Ronnie. Uh, that guy was talking about names and stuff. Well, my brother's name was Robert. And up until he was probably, oh, I don't know. I don't know how old. We called him Bobby. You know, but when my oldest daughter was born, she couldn't say Uncle Bob, so she called him Uncle Bug. And he was Uncle Buck until he passed away. Uncle Bug? Like a bug? Like, like, wait, Uncle Bug, like something you would squash? I don't know. I don't know where she got the name, but... uh, Bob, but she, but she couldn't say Uncle Bob, so she called him Uncle Bug. And he was Uncle Bug until he died in 2016. She didn't care. He said that, that that's, a, that's the name that she gave him, so he kept it. Well, I guess that's okay. I mean, I don't, I mean, he didn't mind it. I mean, I mean, when she first started, started to talk, she couldn't say Uncle Bob, so she said Uncle Bug. Oh, no, yeah. She had to correct that, and she kept calling him Uncle Bug. All so right. when he died in 2016, that's what she called him. But it's sort of a term of endearment, a term of affection. <laughs> I, don't I don't know where she got that from, Bob. Well, I love it, and I appreciate your sharing that. I hope you have a great weekend. Oh, hey, uh, when is that... When is that event from from uh, uh, Fred Archer starting? They said something about the, about people going in into the park in remembrance of his family. Is it? I I don't know. I I heard some reference. I think John made a reference to it, but I I don't know the details. Well, I decided that. I'm going to take my oldest daughter and, and two of the great-grandchildren, great and, and we're going to go to the park and see and see it, because I promised them. All right. Well, you're going to enjoy it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, my, old, my youngest daughter went over there, and some of the lights weren't on, and we were just wondering. I wonder why. Well, it's a, it, there, are, there are lots of lights, so I'm sure it's like, say, on your Christmas tree, sometimes uh, a light or a couple lights go go out, so sometimes you have to uh, troubleshoot it and then um, you know, replace a cord or a bulb or, I don't know, call ready kilowatt. Appreciate your call. Okay, have a good day, sweetie. It's 948 WNBF, the station that cares about the nation. French. <laughs> Six, seven. Seven seven two twelve ninety. I know. It's happy radio. The only radio you need on this Friday morning. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com.
WNBF. Time won't let me, but Newsweek will. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Eight before the hour here at Mission Control in Houston, and we'd have no problems. Looking at the front page of the Times, they're up. I forgot to mention this week, they made it to number 60,000. So looks like the New York Times is going to make it after all with their news that they try to fit into smaller pages and smaller editions than they used to. But, hey, such is life. Everybody's cutting back because, as they all say, you got to do a lot more with a lot less. But anyway, they got up to 60,000 earlier this week. Uh, Now... They're at 60,003, so congratulations to the Times of New York for putting in the effort still. When many newspapers have essentially thrown in the towel, let's turn in a, we have a ghost paper. We don't need any people. AI will get the job done. So big story reported today from uh, California, of all places. Who has rights to California's water? Whoever gets to it first story of California's water wars begins, as so many stories do, in the Golden State with gold. Anyway, it's a long story. Bottom line is California, as you may have heard, has problems. And one of the biggest problems California faces is sufficient water for the... How many residents they have in California now? 50 million? 100 million? Anyway... They have, they have too many people in California for their own good because everybody likes California. What's not to like? But they don't have enough water, at least long term, for everybody, the way things are going. So uh, it says here on the front page of the Times, groundwater levels in Kiama Valley, California, groundwater levels are projected to fall by as much as seven feet a year. So, yeah, everything's great about California, except for the fact that they don't have enough water for all their residents and all their businesses. Uh, They have wildfires. They have earthquakes. They have smog. They have traffic jams. They have Gavin Newsom. Uh, Who else do they have? I think they still have Linda Ronstadt, so at at least there's that. But still, water. <laughs> As the story says, I don't have to read the details because I'm sure it's an interesting report. Who has rights to California's water? Whoever gets to it first. It's just it's starting to get really, really nasty. Really nasty. Some communities are running out of water. And some are concerned going forward. Will they have enough water to survive? Here's the forecast for Binghamton and vicinity. Sunny today, 53. Increasing clouds tonight, 31. Partly sunny tomorrow, 46. And cloudy with rain likely starting Sunday afternoon, 51. And there will be a lot of rain, 1 to 2 inches, they say, Sunday night into Monday. So you might want to go ARC shopping with the family Saturday. Go to the local ARC park and strike a deal. It's 9.56. This is News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph on your Friday morning. That's-
This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 53. Increasing clouds tonight, low around 31. Mostly cloudy Saturday, high near 46. Sunday, cloudy, rain likely in the afternoon, high near 51. A blaze that erupted where homeless people were staying resulted in the closure of a Binghamton Bridge. City firefighters were sent to the VFW Memorial Bridge on Bevere Street around 8.20 p.m. Wednesday when several people reported a fire under the span. Firefighters were able to extinguish the blaze with a single water line. No injuries were reported as a result of the fire. Broome County, which owns the bridge, and the State Department of Transportation were notified of the blaze. The encampment was located on the east side of the Shenango River. Clothing, cooking utensils, and a grill were among the items damaged by the fire. The heat generated by the blaze reportedly caused some warping of the steel structure under the bridge. Pigginton Police and Fire Departments continue their investigation. Bevere Street was closed between Front and Shenango Streets while engineers inspected the bridge. The center lane of the bridge is expected to remain closed for several days while repair work is underway. Broome County Public Works Commissioner Roger Brown urged drivers to use alternate routes when possible. Binghamton police are working to find the suspect in connection with a shooting that occurred at an east side home. Police officers were sent to the single-family residence at 9 Andrews Avenue around 10.35 on Thursday morning. Authorities said a man at the home had sustained a gunshot wound to an arm. The injury did not appear to be life-threatening. Police said the man, whose name was not released, was taken to a hospital for treatment. His condition was not known. Area police agencies were advised that the suspected shooter was a man who had been wearing a mask and a camouflage jacket. It was not known whether the suspect left the scene in a vehicle. Investigators believe the man who was wounded and the shooter know each other. The house where the shooting happened is on Andrews Avenue between Robinson Street and East Frederick Street. It's located less than a block south of East Middle School and a short distance west of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. Police advised the school district to lock down those buildings for a short time after the shooting as a precaution. According to the Broome County Sheriff's Office Facebook page, Broome County Sheriff's Office patrols, the New York State Department of Transportation, and local volunteer firefighters, including Shenango Fire Company, Shenango Bridge Fire Company, and Triangle Fire Company, were on the scene early this morning responding to a tractor-trailer fire on Interstate 81 southbound between Exit 7 and Exit 6 in the town of Shenango. One lane had been shut down as first responders dealt with a fire which occurred in a trailer containing frozen food. According to the Delaware County District Attorney, on December 11th, William Polhamus of Harpersville pleaded guilty to endangering the welfare of a child on July 4th in the village of Walton. Prior to pleading guilty, Polhamus admitted that he engaged in a verbal altercation with an adult female while the female's six-year-old child was present in the same home. 
He also admitted that the child probably heard him yelling profanities and that his actions were likely injurious to the six-year-old child's mental or moral welfare. The guilty plea was entered as part of a negotiated dis disposition. It is anticipating that Palhemus will be sentenced to one year in jail and will be required to pay fines and surcharges, as well as provide a sample of his DNA for inclusion in the New York State DNA database. He waived his right to appeal the conviction and sentence. The courthouse in New York City where former President Donald Trump's civil business trial fraud had been taking place was briefly evacuated hours after testimony concluded. Firefighters arrived at the New York State Supreme Court building in Lower Manhattan shortly after 4 p.m. Wednesday to respond to an alarm on the fourth floor of the building. A court spokesperson says a person was arrested after setting fire to papers, then dousing them with a fire extinguisher. Those who were evacuated were allowed to return shortly afterward. No injuries were reported. The New York State Police are participating in a special enforcement initiative to crack down on impaired and reckless driving this holiday season. The enforcement campaign is part of the National Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over initiative that runs now through January 1st. Drivers can expect to see sobriety checkpoints along with more troopers on roadways during the campaign. In addition to the DWI checkpoints and patrols, troopers will be watching for distracted drivers, vehicle occupants who are not properly buckled up, and drivers violating the move-over law. State police will also conduct underage drinker enforcement details statewide. During the campaign, troopers will be using both marked state police vehicles and concealed identity traffic enforcement vehicles as part of the operation. During last year's crackdown, state police arrested 453 people for DWI, issued 32,934 tickets, including 11,305 tickets for speeding, 912 for distracted driving, and 316 for the move-over law. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. Friday morning. Only 15 or 16 days left in the year. It seems to have gone by very quickly. Coming up later this hour, we'll be taking more of your phone calls. So if you have thoughts, hold those thoughts, and we will talk with you as the program continues till noon. We welcome to the studio Broome County's Republican Chairman, Benji Fetterman. Welcome to WNBF. It's good to have you with us. Uh, you've been the county chairman now for, I believe, about 11 months. Yep, that's correct. Um, well, first of all, Bob, I just want to say it's a pleasure to be in the studio. I had the opportunity to be here kind of behind the scenes as I worked uh, in the legislative capacity with Fred Asher over the years and then helping a few candidates who appeared in your studio. So to be behind the microphone, it's it's a pleasure and uh, just, just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It must be a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. I, I watch your show. It's... Uh, Maybe not a dream come true, but... Um, it's nice. It's very nice. I mean, yes. the fact that we still have this type of program in Binghamton where where people are allowed to talk about so many things, politics or business or 
potholes on Court Street or, or whatever, it's, it's special. There aren't that many towns that have this type of three-hour program, and, and people are able to, to a large extent, drive the, um, the uh, topics and so on. Yeah, I mean, I have a special appreciation for that just because um, I had the pleasure of working for the state legislature under Senator, then Senator Fred Akshar, and I worked in constituent services in his office, and you would never know the phone calls that we would get on a daily basis. People could be calling about the DMV, potholes, gun legislation. Um, you know, it really let me get to know the community very well, being from the Albany area. And especially these days, um, when... People encounter just difficulties regarding anything. Sometimes, uh, most most of the time, if you call an office, unless you actually know someone's specific extension or have inside information, a lot of times you're going to be met with, your call's important to us. And then the recording goes on to explain how many options you have to leave a message for someone who later will determine whether your call really is of enough value to to act on. But the fact that people know they can contact elected officials, whether it's state or federal elected officials who have district representatives and generally do their best to be responsive to constituents' needs, because after all, if you're interested i i've encountered very few people who win one term in any office who say yep it's going to be one term and done i mean everybody once you are elected your hope is that you're going to stay around for a while and constituent service is going to be crucial yep that's absolutely right and um yeah uh you know public service is um something that i've kind of you know found um if i can give you a little background on myself just because um, I'm sure the majority of your listeners don't know who I am. Um, you know, I grew up in the Albany area. Uh, my dad worked in Republican politics. We were discussing work for Governor Pataki. Um, I came to Binghamton uh, for school, went to SUNY Binghamton. And in 2015, um, Fred Akshar's campaign office popped up um, when he was replacing then Senator Tom Libis. Um, and I walked over to his campaign office and I knocked on the door and I said, hey, can I come and volunteer some hours? They're like, oh, yeah, sure, kid. If you want to print some literature and, and you know, hang around and learn the game, um, yeah, come on in. So that turned into, that knock on the door turned into a long seven-year career in that office. And now I'm kind of embarking on my own journey as Republican chair. Um, that experience was a great crash course in politics. Um, ran a lot of uh, political campaigns, um, did the government work, learned about the issues that residents care about. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to kind of use those skills and that experience to um, help the Republican Party win races locally. So what intrigues you about government and politics? Why as a young person did you become interested in what goes on? Was it strictly because of what your father did? Well, uh, my grandfather uh, did work for a Republican in Manhattan, probably one of the last Congress uh, members who was a Republican in Manhattan, Teddy Kufferman. Um, my dad did work in politics. And then ultimately, it's just been the people that I've worked alongside that have really inspired me. Obviously, my former boss um, was a huge influence on me. Uh, but getting out into the community is what really matters. You know, we traveled this district so many times. I'm sure some of your listeners might even recognize my voice from the amount of people that I spoke to on the phones over the years um, or, or saw out in the community. I was kind of the tall, lanky kid uh, running around with Fred all those years. But 
Um, just had an amazing time, and, and this community really is special. Um, growing up in Albany, you know, was a wonderful experience, but Binghamton is home now. Um, I have a fiance, Mina. We just got engaged, which is which is very exciting. So we're definitely making this home now, and uh, and you know, those are all the reasons why it's just uh, I found myself in politics. So how did it happen that you were chosen to be the Broome County Chairman early this year, going back to last January? Sure. So. Um, you know, politics is all about relationships, and I've really had a great uh, opportunity to meet a lot of people. I'm smiling as Bob is taking a photo just now. That's right. Um, we always need file photos maybe for something on the website in the future. So if you hear a little, if you hear this, that probably means I'm taking a, a picture for fo future use on I'm talking to some teeth at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, I'm, I'm responsible to the Broome County Republican Committee, um, which is made up of, you know, over 100 um, community members who believe in the Republican cause. Um, they pass petitions every year for us. They support us at fundraisers, and, and, they, and they carry our message. So, ultimately, those are the folks that elect uh, me as chair. They elected B. Joy Dada, my predecessor, um, and will elect uh, future chairs as well. Um, I want to serve in this role as long as they'll have me, and um, you know that that's kind of the process behind it. And tell me about the past year because you started in January, and then there were lots of local races that certainly uh, Republicans were going to be interested in. We had the town supervisors race in Vestal, uh, Merritt in the village of Johnson City, the DA's race. Uh, city council races in Binghamton. There were a lot of things that were going on, even though this is a non-presidential election year. Sure. So I, I just want to be clear if anyone uh, doesn't know what my role as Republican chair, uh, my responsibility is to recruit candidates, raise money for those candidates, and then ultimately help them run their campaigns to get them elected. Um, I was really proud of the successes that we had this year. Um, some of our top of the ticket races, Sherilyn Singa, um, a great uh, uh, woman who is going to be our next Supreme Court uh, justice um, in the 6th Judicial District. Uh, Paul Battisti did an outstanding job um, winning really big in, in, in Broome County, across the county, kind of demonstrating that even though we're outnumbered, there's more Democrats in Broome County than Republicans, um, we're still winning those countywide races um, and their strength across the county. Uh, I was actually really proud to see Nick Burlingame um, be elected the village of Ennicott mayor, a uh, former young Republican. There were technically two Republicans on the ballot with, with current Mayor Linda Jackson on the ballot, and we were able to kind of tactfully uh, run a campaign, a very positive campaign, um, that was able to see you know, a Republican mayor there uh, and a young Republican. Um, the uh, you know, cool thing about the town of Union now is we have full Republican control. It's our biggest municipality by population. I know the city of Binghamton gets a lot of attention, but um, the town of Union is really uh, our largest population center. Um, and so we're, we're very thrilled to see that probably for the first time ever, uh, complete Republican control in the town. And we're going to work really hard to keep that. And then in city council. Um, yes, you know, what the, happened in Binghamton? Sure. Uh, you know, it turns out people like divided government. Uh, we had full Republican control in the city of Binghamton for a long time. And I was proud to help on those previous campaigns where we were successful. But I kind of equate it to the Patriots beating the Jets five times in a row. We won in 15 
uh, 13, 15, 17, 19, 21, um, the, there was bound to be a year that uh, we, we weren't going to be able to deliver the goods. Um, I will say that uh, the fact that people are saying this was a landslide, we had three incumbents run. One of them was a tie and one of them lost by four votes. So um, I, I just strongly believe that we have a very, very um, good leader in J Mayor Jared Cram, um, who is going to continue to carry our message in City Hall. Um, he's going to be able to work with uh, you know, the Democrats on City Council. Um, and you know, I'm confident that, uh, that, that he's going to do just fine there. And he has been already meeting with the incoming Democrats and, and starting a dialogue. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm sure as, as soon as he saw the results, how things were going on election night last month, he knew that if you're going to have any hope of accomplishing things over the next couple of years, you're going to have to uh, develop a good rapport with some new faces. That's one of the things about city council that I think will be so intriguing, not just the fact that we are going to see Democrats uh, in power as opposed to Republicans, but that there are a lot of young new faces. So people in different parts of Binghamton will be able to um, probably benefit from potential new ideas as the city moves forward. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to make one more point about city council. Um, one, one thing that my Democratic colleague and I both need to work on is turnout. Um, voter turnout in the city of Binghamton was 30% and countywide it was 27%. Um, so I think that falls both on my Democratic colleague and I um, to do a better job at, at turning out our voters. Um, I don't think there was anything huge on the national stage uh, last year that was that was driving turnout, but we need to do a better job at the local level because 30 percent is is uh, not great for people to be choosing our leadership at such a small number. Why do you suppose that is? Because I know from talking with people around Binghamton, sometimes on the program, but just being out and about, it's not that people don't care about the city. It's not that most of the people who are of voting age in Binghamton are apathetic, but for whatever reason, at least this year, very few of them who were eligible to vote were motivated to get out to the polls. Why do you think the turnout was so low this year? Well, a lot, a lot of it just comes down to atmosphere and, and above ballot races. Um, I think uh, there was a little more excitement in the 2015 election with uh, the special election to replace Tom Libis. Um, the contested district attorney's race in 2019, there was a lot of money being spent over top of the city council candidates. Um, I don't think there was anything in particular that um, inspired voters to turn out this year. Um, our candidates worked incredibly hard. Let me just say this. Uh, Gio Scarengi, Sophia Resinetti, Tom Scanlon, and Phil Strawn, the city of Binghamton is better off today than when they took office. And um, I just appreciate uh, all the work that they did for, for city of Binghamton residents. Were you shocked at the degree of the Democrats' success last month? No, I mean, again, I... I I don't think I don't think the degree is as high as um, some people like to make it out to be. I mean, these races were in fact close. Um, if you look at the margins, um, were we disappointed? Yes, um, but you know the thing about elections, Bob, is uh, November comes and goes. Um, you know, and we f we fight on we fight on, and we focus on the next battles and, and keep trying to deliver wins for for our Republican voters. And as so often is the case with local races and. We saw it with the city council races. We've seen it uh, both this year with uh, district attorneys 
race races and and even four years ago I mean, sometimes uh, race, well, even a congressional race that became, that wasn't settled here for uh, for several weeks. I mean, it went into January and became, I think, either the last or one of the final congressional races in the nation that was finally resolved because uh, the outcome was so close. So the cliche, every vote counts, has been proven again and again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the city council race where it was a, where it was, it was a tie, um, I'm going to remind every candidate and, uh, you know, speak this as loud as I can. Every vote truly does matter. Um, and so, uh, you know, you saw that on the south side of Binghamton. You saw that in congressional, in the Claudia Tenney congressional race. Um, one of the initiatives that the RNC is working on that, that I'm going to plan on championing is this bank your vote initiative. Um, Republicans are kind of behind the times in, in casting our vote during early voting or, or absentee ballot. Um, I think we have to play the Democrats game. Uh, we can't just plan to catch up on election day and score all of our points in the fourth quarter. We need to be scoring field goals in the first and sec- or in the first half um, so we can uh, ultimately win on election day. Just, you know, if you can't make it to the polls on election day and you've already banked your vote, you don't have to worry about it. What did you think about the um, ruling about the congressional map? That's uh, obviously a lot of Democrats uh, viewed this week's ruling. I guess it came down on Tuesday uh, enthusiastically. And many, if not most, Republicans are taking a pretty dim view about what this means, including Congressman Mark Molinaro. What's your assessment? Well, the Democrats are cheering it because uh, this process is ultimately going to go back to Democratic lawmakers in Albany. And I don't think that's good for anyone for um, them to have the final say on the maps. Um, this could actually you know, work out in, in our favor. Um, some people are saying that this district could become more red. Um, I'm not going to necessarily get into the details that are comment on that. I just think that opening back up this process when we have congressional maps uh, as we're nearing mid-decade is irresponsible. What can you do as a county party chairperson to encourage more people to consider running for local offices? I know I've talked with, uh, in, in the past, B. Joy Dada and uh, current and former Democratic chairs. One of the biggest challenges that uh, each has faced is, is trying to persuade people in various communities that it is worth taking a chance, putting yourself out there in public under under, you know, perhaps the harsh glare of uh, the media or at least uh, prospective voters to to run for some of these offices. So um, sometimes you, you see um, key races in, in some Broome County communities where where the incumbents unopposed. And I'm not sure that's really good for anyone, including the incumbent, not to have a formal challenger. Yeah, sure. So I think it's a couple things. I mean, it's it's about being a uh, um, an open, a big tent, open party where we can accept a lot of different ideas. Um, I know we we ran candidates this year that were on the wide spectrum of of values. There were, you know, conservatives and there was probably moderate Republicans. Um, I think encouraging people to run for office. You're right; it's difficult in this um, political climate um, where you always have a target on your back. But I think making sure that the party has the tools. Um, to invest in these races, whether it's raising money, whether it's um, you know ensuring that they have volunteers um, by their side throughout the campaign. So just making sure that they have the tools that they need to be successful. And then ultimately, you got to find the people who have a servant's heart and who um, really 
are there for the right reasons and are, are there to serve the community. Um, and we have plenty of those people in, the, in this community. And frankly, I would, I would, I would challenge your listeners to, to reach out to me. Um, you can reach out to broomrepublicans at gmail.com or call at 607-723-8201. Um, if you want to run for office, let's have a conversation. We have you know, hundreds of, um, maybe not hundreds, but over 100 uh, races this year um, coming up. And we, we'd love to uh, get you involved or have you on our committee to start. What will it mean for Broome County Republicans and maybe just New York Republicans uh, in general if Donald Trump is the party's presidential nominee next November? How how big an influence or impact would um, Mr. Trump's presence on the ballot be? Sure. I mean, I, I guess the, question, the answer is I really don't know. Um, it kind of remains to be seen. Um, I'm not trying to avoid your question here, but what I'm really excited about is the fact that Biden is really slipping in the polls. He's hemorrhaging support from younger people. Um, he's hemorrhaging support from uh, minority communities, African-Americans and Latinos. Um, people just think he's, he's too old and he's not doing a good job for our country. Um, Bidenomics, I don't know why he would put his name on um, not a good product, not a good economic product. Um, so I'm actually more, you know, the big question is always, what is Trump going to do to New York Republicans? I'm, I'm actually more focused on what is Biden's sagging numbers going to do to uh, New York Democrats and, and what that looks like for the success of our candidates. Well, a lot can happen. I, I was just doing the math. I think it's only 325 days till the election. So a lot can happen between now and next November. Uh, and this is a hypothetical. But what if, in your view say Donald Trump is the Republican chairman, and for whatever reason, the Democrats ultimately decide that Joe Biden is not the way to go, and they find some young, relatively young, new candidate, perhaps like Barack Obama was, um, basically uh, an unknown to uh, most people across the country. I think he was in his early 40s when he suddenly appeared on the scene and was very successful. What if the Democrats managed to find uh, a young, new candidate that could inspire um, their base and going up against Donald Trump? Obviously, he does have millions of supporters, but he also has millions of people who are not in his camp, would that, would that pose a, a, a major, major problem? Not just for um, getting uh, a Republican back in the White House, but also in terms of what it would mean for local races, say in Broome County or elsewhere in New York State. Would that put, do you think that would put Republicans at a big disadvantage? I mean, that's, that's one scenario out of many. Um, I think we have... Uh, a situation where if any major party, the Democrats or Republicans, move on from the two favorites right now, they're going to have a leg up in this race. Um, what I want to see is I want to see a, a competitive Republican primary. Um, we had Ted Cruz come to town, I think it was seven years ago now, during that uh, the 2016 presidential primaries. Um, I want Broome County to benefit um, from that from that Republican discourse. I want people to come here. I want um, you know national media to be here and have a spotlight on Broome County because we're a, a swing county. And I think you've seen across the years, Biden won in 2020, Trump won in 2016, um, and Obama before that. So we're kind of a bellwether. And so I think the more attention that's on Broome County and the more success we have as Republicans, um, I think that's just good for, for our community. 
Broome County Republican Chair Benji Fetterman. Oh, by the way, you're no relation to Pennsylvania's U.S. Senator. That's Fetterman, John Fetterman. Yes. And Benji Fetterman has no relation, no ties to Pennsylvania's well-known U.S. Senator. Yes, Benji Fetterman, 1D. All right. Yep. Case people. Nobody ever asked me, but just in case people were wondering. Well, I, I, I heard you before the show. You were talking about nicknames, and I go I go by Benjamin or Benji. It's just What's a, your preference? I actually like Benji. All it's, right. Uh, That's what I surmised, but I, I yeah. wasn't positive. I know in, in most news accounts, since you've become the uh, chair, and even before, it was typically by Benji. So yep. anyway, great to see you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for chatting. 2024 is going to be interesting. Who knows? Maybe at some point we'll have you and your Democratic counterpart come into the studio and talk politics. I think it's always fascinating. There, there are always so many topics to discuss when it comes to local, state, and national races. Yeah, thank you. And I'll just say really quickly, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to meet uh, my Democratic counterpart, but I have a lot of respect for, for Democrats and, and their efforts as well. Um, we're all in this together make the community a better place. Um, we might not agree on the issues, but I understand she's doing the same thing on her side that I'm trying to do, and I, I do respect that. Thank you. And I wish you the best during the holidays and a happy new year. Happy holidays, Bob. Thank you. Sten 33. We're live and local on a Friday morning. This is Binghamton Now. 607-772-1290. We'll be taking some of your phone calls coming up. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. Binghamton now, live and local at 1036. This is Bob Joseph. From our master control point somewhere in the parlor city. And welcome to my world. Remember, we do the program weekday mornings from 9 to noon. Then from noon to 3, it's Dan Bongino, 3 to 6, Sean Hannity, and 6 to 9, Mark Levin. A lot of talk right here on WNBF. Weekends, we actually bring you a lot of music with Bill Flynn. Some great, great music on Saturdays with some of those fantastic classic songs of yesteryear. So listen to Bill Flynn tomorrow. For some popular favorites. And then, of course, Pocus on Sunday with the master, Bill Flynn, still getting it done right here, Saturdays and Sundays on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And always available on the free WNBF app. Well, what's the future for SUNY? Mm, fewer programs. Things aren't so sunny for SUNY. It's starting to look a lot like cutbacks. There have been cutbacks at some SUNY locations, and more to come. Apparently, um, John from Binghamton mentioned challenges for SUNY Broome Community College, but SUNY Broome isn't the only community college facing difficulties. 
challenges, or if you will, if you're not in politics, you could actually say problems. Here's a story from the Albany Times Union. The story is by Kathleen Moore. Some state University of New York colleges need to cut back and can't offer every standard academic program. SUNY Chancellor John King said, but there's a very good chance they all survive. I don't like that forecast. There's a very good chance they will all survive. Speaking after two small SUNY schools announced big cuts and a small Albany private college announced it must close, King told the Albany Times Union he's optimistic about the future of the state-operated college system. <laughs> There's a very good chance they will all survive. Wow. Wow. Uh, I would say Gloria Gaynor sound more optimistic than John King. A very good chance that they will survive. It's 1039 WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? That would be Jesse from a week ago. That segment yesterday you had uh, the guy with the Office of Mental Health. It was actually very good, very inspiring. At the same time, pretty funny because I had to do my out-and-about runs this morning doing my errands. And everyone I came across, I says, hey, instead of saying good morning, hey, how are you? I said, how's your mental health? And you would be surprised at some of the responses that you get from people. Yeah. Uh, well, give me a couple of um, arable examples. Downhill slide. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that was I, I, I understand. I understand that. Yes. What else? Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Actually, one person was like, oh, it's a happy day. I'm loving this morning. It's a beautiful day. I'm like. All right, there's a good positive. But for the most part, it was all negative. It's like, oh, we don't want to talk about this. And then, oh, today's society, are you kidding? This is terrible. And they get grumpy. I'm like, that's, it, it's very interesting when you do something like that, Bob. I mean, yeah, it's just amazing. Mm, the yeah, maybe, so, maybe Monday I'll, I'll try that with everybody who calls in. How's your mental health? Because that was in, indeed the trademark of Casey Eppy, who was our yeah. guest in the pro on the studio yesterday, and it was great to see him. He he had been the executive director of the Mental Health Association of the Southern Tier for many years, and then he retired, and we just lost touch for quite a while till he sent me a copy of his book. I will say that uh, I think sometime next week. For those who missed the interview, um, we'll put that on, on the website, WNBF.com, because I, I thought it was a very interesting conversation. We covered a lot of things, including how things were when he came to Broome County. His first job was being in charge of an agency called Opportunities for Broome. And back in the 70s, that agency was, oh, they, they were... They were going through tough times. I mean, people, based on news accounts, people didn't agree about much of anything. And he he came into that agency. He was hired after two previous executive directors had been fired. So he had to, he had to dive right in. And um, 
He was only there, I don't know if it was three years, for a few years. And then he, he moved on and went on to the uh, Mental Health Association. But still, uh, just great talking about his time in Broome County, plus growing up as a kid in Hawaii, uh, his military service when he was based in Plattsburgh, of all places. Imagine being a young man uh, going from a sugar plantation in Hawaii and uh, going to the military, and you're based at Plattsburgh. I'll tell you what, he's one of the most fascinating people that I've come across, especially listening on your show. I was just highly fascinated. I would put him in chart, uh, in, ch- uh, in touch with, like, uh, I would say Gerald Smith, because Gerald has written quite a few books. He knows how to get the books out. And I'm a Cedar here in Owego. Oh, yeah. I think she did a couple. Yeah, no, I think because some of it, some of it deals with local history, and some of it is um, specific things about his life. But I, I think just overall, it's it's something that would be intriguing to, I think, most of our listeners. Yeah, and I, I mean, like his I, attitude. You know, after all these years and everything he's been through, he still has a, a really positive attitude, and you know, I think. Except that he, I believe, enjoys his retirement. I would say he'd be a good candidate to host this show. He certainly would handle the show, um, I think, with a, a nice, positive touch and treating, you could tell just from our conversation, how he, he wants to treat everybody uh, with dignity and respect. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I, think, I think his worldview is, uh, is pretty, pretty impressive. I would call him a living luncheon and a leader by example. That's how high I put him. And I, I mean, that's probably one of the first times, Bob, that I was like word for word carefully listening because hearing the history, I mean, you could have gone on easily for like two more hours. Easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. We could have talked. Could have done an hour just about his childhood in Hawaii, probably an hour about uh, Plattsburgh military service, and another hour uh, coming to Broome County and and getting involved in in contentious times at a local agency that was trying to help people, and also just the uh, the side of his family. We could have done probably three or four hours easily. Oh yeah. Hey, now if uh. If you send me a picture and he ever comes to Owego, I want to catch him first so I can say, hey, how's your mental health? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you, as I say, you probably, my expectation would be probably um, early next week or at least sometime next week that we'll be able to post the, the whole interview so people who didn't hear it would be able to enjoy it. I, I think it was, um, it was one of our better segments, and I... I hadn't talked to him or seen him in, in decades. I mean, we did talk uh, briefly after he sent me a copy of, of his new book a couple of weeks ago. And it was, you know how sometimes you, you haven't spoken with someone in a long, long time? It was sort of as though nothing had changed, even though there had been a space of, of a long time. It was 
being able to talk with someone because we we spoke with him frequently uh, for news stories and features about mental health back when he was associated with the um, Mental Health Association. And so it was, it was almost as though we didn't skip a beat. I know, but it was, it was such transitional times. And to listen to what he was going through, he was right in the middle of when they were deinstitutionalizing. That's how he said it. Yep. I was like, wow, he lived right in the middle of that. I can't imagine how stressful that must have been. Yeah, but he, he he clearly was up to the challenge. Appreciate your call. Thank you, Jesse. And that is the story from Owego making contemporary news. Home of a big strawberry on Front Street. Stop by. Oh, here's what you can do. Here's your assignment for this weekend. If you stop by Owego, find the big strawberry next to the Susquehanna River. And take a selfie next to the big strawberry and then send it to me, Bob, at WNBF.com. Listening to Binghamton Now on a Friday morning, this is WNBF. Ten fifty WNBF. I mean, ten before the hour with Bob Joseph live. Binghamton now on your Friday morning. A shocking story from down under. A woman in Australia now has been charged with stealing a parked truck filled with 10,000 donuts after two weeks on the run. The cops said the unmarked delivery donut truck had stopped for fuel near Sydney when the 28-year-old suspect allegedly hopped inside and made off with the freshly baked booty. This is from CBS Eyeball News. <laughs> Sorry, cbsnews.com. Um, do, 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 do. Detectives followed a trail of crumbs uh, to a car park where they found the abandoned vehicle more than a week later. They arrested the woman at a railway station. She's been t- charged with take and drive conveyance without consent of owner, drive motor vehicle during disqualification period, and travel or attempted travel without valid ticket. <laughs> stole. <laughs> I mean, it's wrong, but it's funny. It's funny, but it's wrong. 10,000 donuts. And now she faces justice in the land down under. Always respect the law, kids. Even if you see an unattended truck with 10,000 fresh donuts, resist the urge, Mr. Simpson. Resist the urge. Bob Joseph, valuable advice for you from WNBF.
On a Friday morning, this is Binghamton Now with Bob Joseph till noon. Forecast today, sunny, high 53. Tonight, increasing clouds, low 31. Tomorrow, partly sunny, high 46. And Sunday, cloudy rain developing in the afternoon, the high 51. By the way, the rain will continue Sunday night into Monday. And a lot of rain, lots of rain expected. According to the National Weather Service, heavy rainfall is likely Sunday night into Monday with widespread one to two inches of rainfall expected. So, what does it mean to you? I guess it means good luck. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 29. That's minus two Celsius and uh, air quality, eh, pretty good. 49 AQI. Coming up, news and then another hour of Binghamton Now. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 53. Increasing clouds tonight, low around 31. Mostly cloudy Saturday, high near 46. Sunday, cloudy. Rain likely in the afternoon, high near 51. A blaze that erupted where homeless people were staying resulted in the closure of a Binghamton Bridge. City firefighters were sent to the VFW Memorial Bridge on Bevere Street around 8.20 p.m. Wednesday when several people reported a fire under the span. Firefighters were able to extinguish the blaze with a single water line. No injuries were reported as a result of the fire. Broome County, which owns the bridge, and the State Department of Transportation were notified of the blaze. The encampment was located on the east side of the Shenango River. Clothing, cooking utensils, and a grill were among the items damaged by the fire. The heat generated by the blaze reportedly caused some warping of the steel structure under the bridge. Pigginton Police and Fire Departments continue their investigation. Bevere Street was closed between Front and Shenango Streets while engineers inspected the bridge. The center lane of the bridge is expected to remain closed for several days while repair work is underway. Broome County Public Works Commissioner Roger Brown urged drivers to use alternate routes when possible. Binghamton police are working to find the suspect in connection with a shooting that occurred in an east side home. Police officers were sent to the single family residence at 9 Andrews Avenue around 1035 on Thursday morning. Authorities said a man at the home had sustained a gunshot wound to an arm. The injury did not appear to be life-threatening. Police said the man whose name was not released was taken to a hospital for treatment. His condition was not known. 
Area police agencies were advised that the suspected shooter was a man who had been wearing a mask and a camouflage jacket. It was not known whether the suspect left the scene in a vehicle. Investigators believe the man who was wounded and the shooter know each other. The house where the shooting happened is on Andrews Avenue between Robinson Street and East Frederick Street. It's located less than a block south of East Middle School and a short distance west of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. Police advised the school district to lock down those buildings for a short time after the shooting as a precaution. According to the Broome County Sheriff's Office Facebook page, Broome County Sheriff's Office patrols, the New York State Department of Transportation, and local volunteer firefighters, including Shenango Fire Company, Shenango Bridge Fire Company, and Triangle Fire Company, were on the scene early this morning responding to a tractor-trailer fire on Interstate 81 southbound between Exit 7 and Exit 6 in the town of Shenango. One lane had been shut down as first responders dealt with a fire, which occurred in a trailer containing frozen food. According to the Delaware County District Attorney, on December 11th, William Polhamus of Harpersville pleaded guilty to endangering the welfare of a child on July 4th in the village of Walton. Prior to pleading guilty, Polhamus admitted that he engaged in a verbal altercation with an adult female, while the female's six-year-old child was present in the same home. He also admitted that the child probably heard him yelling profanities and that his actions were likely injurious to the six-year-old child's mental or moral welfare. The guilty plea was entered as part of a negotiated disposition. It is anticipated that Polhemus will be sentenced to one year in jail and will be required to pay fines and surcharges, as well as provide a sample of his DNA for inclusion in the New York State DNA database. He waived his right to appeal the conviction and sentence. The courthouse in New York City, where former President Donald Trump's civil business trial fraud had been taking place, was briefly evacuated hours after testimony concluded. Firefighters arrived at the New York State Supreme Court building in Lower Manhattan shortly after 4 p.m. Wednesday to respond to an alarm on the fourth floor of the building. A court spokesperson says a person was arrested after setting fire to papers, then dousing them with a fire extinguisher. Those who were evacuated were allowed to return shortly afterward. No injuries were reported. The New York State Police are participating in a special enforcement initiative to crack down on impaired and reckless driving this holiday season. The enforcement campaign is part of the National Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over initiative that runs now through January 1st. Drivers can expect to see sobriety checkpoints along with more troopers on roadways during the campaign. In addition to the DWI checkpoints and patrols, troopers will be watching for distracted drivers, vehicle occupants who are not properly buckled up, and drivers violating the move-over law. State police will also conduct underage drinker enforcement details statewide. During the campaign, troopers will be using both marked state police vehicles and concealed identity traffic enforcement vehicles as part of the operation. During last year's crackdown, state police arrested 453 people for DWI, issued 32,934 tickets, including 11,305 tickets for speeding. 912 for distracted driving, and 316 for the move-over law. 
That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph, on a Friday, this is Binghamton Now, taking calls at 607-772-1290. Tell me about what's going on around your neighborhood. Seen any changes lately? Having a lot of fun listening to the radio. (laughs) 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. All right. I think the hour is off to a delightful start. Yeah, buddy. So here's... uh, an interesting story, and I thank listener Pat in Vestal for sending to this, uh, sending an article to me. She says it's from the Vestal News, and she wrote, "I know how much you like animals, and so do I. Thought you might want to mention this article on the program." And she says she listens every day and loves what we do. And she says this article might make people realize what could happen by keeping animals out in the harsh, cold weather this winter. So hopefully, here's some uh, information, as they say. As the marketing consultants say, when they want to market news you can use, they say, this is news you can use. And this was from the Vestal News. December 8th edition with cold weather upon us the dog control officer in Vestal wants to remind you of the New York State dog shelter law you are required to provide shelter for your dog at all times the sheriff's office and state police as well as local police agencies can enforce the law if your dog spends any time outdoors you must provide shelter to protect the dog from direct sunlight rain snow wind cold weather hot weather and other inclement conditions the shelter must be waterproof insulated and allow the dog to move around freely the dog must be able to stand up turn around and lie down we shouldn't need a law like this but We need a law like this. Also, what we need is for police to try to consistently enforce this because, uh, sadly, there are some people who just don't get it. If they don't get it and police become aware of uh, someone who is not providing proper shelter for a dog, then action should be taken. 
According to the Vestal News article, violators will receive a court citation and be required to pay a fine ranging from $50 to $250 as well as to show proof of shelter for the dog. If you suspect someone's not providing their dog with adequate food or shelter, you can call the sheriff's department or the state police. Or obviously, if you live in a community that has its own police department, give them a call. Give them a call. They're, the officers are there to protect and serve you and your family as well as um, animals. You know, animals must be cared for. If you have an animal and you can't care for it, then find someone who can take care of your animal. If you're if you wound up with a dog or cat or a ferret or something and for whatever reason you can't take care of it anymore, if you don't have the money for food or for health exams and, and treatment, if you can't do it then contact a shelter and and seek information. Don't ignore your dog or cat or whatever your pet. Be nice. Be considerate. And hey, if if your circumstances have changed and circumstances do change sometimes. And if you are no longer in a position to provide necessary care for your pet, well then call someone who can help you because don't don't put your uh, dog or cat or whatever type of pet, don't put your your friend through stuff that they don't deserve. They can't they can't help it. 607-772-1290. You know, New York Post, I don't know so much about the the paper, but the New York Post website, boy, they they are something else, aren't they? I mean, every website these days is something else, but the New York Post, you got to admit, New York Post is really something else. Uh, whoever is in charge of the New York Post website really has has her finger on the pulse of the world. That's what I would say. Any thoughts as we wrap up another big week? Give me a call. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet.
WNBF. The Dreamy Radio. At 11.20. 10.20 in Chicago. 9.20 in Pueblo. in Pacific Palisades. For those of you who are speeding on the PCH, be careful out there. I heard there's a speed trap. That's what I heard just around the curve. Hmm. WNBF, uh, another call. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, good morning, Bob. This is Vinny calling from Binghamton. Hey, you know, um, I had a sitting here thinking and reading some of the papers and I'm, you know, I thought something interesting. I wonder who Donald Trump's running mate would be if he wins the uh, nomination. Tucker Carlson. No, 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 Bob. And here's my, here's my thing, Bob. I look at it's gotta be somebody kind of like, like a Mike Pence in a way. And and what I mean by that is. You mean somebody who is so like generic and almost Almost, I mean, a real person, but almost like he or she's not there, and and somebody exactly. somebody devoid of any personality or or opinions or anybody who is willing to ever express uh, any any interesting thought. That type of person, yes, someone who won't take the spotlight, but has still got a little gravitas, shall we say? And I think it's now. This is the dark horse. Keep an eye on Mike Dunleavy, governor of Alaska, who endorsed him. He would probably pick somebody like that. Guy's been the governor, knows the game. Is he good? No, he isn't isn't anybody good. (laughs) Well, I mean, as a guy. No, I'm not saying policy-wise. Is he a good guy, though? I mean, is he he like someone as opposed to... The former guy who behaves well, his behavior, his reputation <laughs> precedes him. So we don't need to discuss his behavioral uh, propensities. But as far as Governor Dunleavy, does he act normal? Yeah, we really. Don't even, we don't even talk. We don't even talk about him. Okay, I mean, he just endorses him, but you know he's way up there in Alaska. Yeah. Nobody really knows him. All and right, kind of like Sarah Palin. Kind of like Sarah Palin, oh, except intelligent. Yeah. Kind of like Sarah Palin, except uh, actually if I asked Governor Mike Dunleavy, even spontaneously with no prep, Governor Dunleavy, good to have you on the program. What newspapers do you read? He would be able to easily, easily respond to that question with probably three or four publications. Yes, Mm -hmm. and he will probably be vetted too, I'm sure, unlike her, but that's another story. But. That, that, that's just something early yeah. I'm thinking about. Yeah. That, you know, that's, he's, he's, he's got to get somebody like that. Because, he, you know, Greg Abbott, no, no, the visuals, it's not going to work. A female, no, no, he's not going to go that way. Geographic think, balance, too, that works out well. So you have a Florida guy with an Alaskan guy. So that's about as geographically balanced a ticket as you could want. Yeah. Yep. And I, uh, so that's just a uh, just thought. Keep an eye on it. I, I think will. That might be I will keep an good. eye on Alaskan Governor Mike Dunleavy. Thank you for, thank you for the tip, because okay. you know Mike Pence. Say what you will about Mike Pence. Two things that I can say that were good about Mike Pence: 
A, he was a former radio talk show host. That's, that's probably the thing that's best about him. And he had a program called, I think it was called Indianapolis Now, on a station that sound mighty, mightily like WNBF, except in Indianapolis. And he also seemed like he was a guy with um, high moral character and a, a person who, believe it or not, really really seemed to respect others, even those with whom he disagreed. Yes, he did. I, I, I just think that, um, you know, it. Mike, Mike, I think he was at a position, there's, there's nothing you can do, Mr. Pence, Vice President Pence, with this guy. I remember when, uh, do you remember when um, uh, Donald Trump was being interviewed by Leslie Stone, 60 Minutes? And he said, oh, you're, you're, you're rude or you're mean, and he got up and left. And she's like, where are you going? And then the, I forgot the girl's name, but she came in with a big white, uh, like, like folder book and gave it to Leslie Stahl. And Leslie goes, what's this? Oh, that's his health care plan. And then Mike Pence came in and sat down in place of Trump. And he said, well, you know, that's, that's our president. You know, sometimes, you know, he's got so many things. I mean, he just made up this big BS stuff. And here's the country looking and said, man, this, this is nuts. This is nuts. And when they looked at that health care plan, there was nothing in there about a health care plan, just a bunch of gobbledygook. But that's the stuff. And, when, and I'm telling you, these are the things that have to be pointed out. But people are tired of this nonsense. We're tired of these extremists trying to tell us what to do and trying to act so righteous. So I just can't wait. I, Bob, I'm drooling. I can't wait. I can't wait. So. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Now, because you brought this up, the um, the, the fantastic 60 Minutes interview with um, 60 Minutes superstar, Leslie Stahl. This is a clip as posted on the Internet, and this goes back, I believe, to October 2020, when the former guy... I guess he was still the current guy. He was still the current guy. I think it was right before the election, before America fired him. So anyway, here's a clip. And apparently this was from CBS Eyeball News in New York. So let's listen briefly to a clip from the um, hit CBS News program, 60 Minutes. The former guy speaking with superstar correspondent Leslie Stahl. And I have nothing against masks, and I tell people to wear masks. I have well, no problem. Well, tell me then about these rallies you've been having. A lot of people are wearing people, masks. A lot of outside. people aren't. I'm, I'm watching all these people jammed in together, and I'm seeing most of them without yeah. masks. After a producer mentioned time remaining for the interview, the president abruptly ended it. I think we have enough of an interview here, Hope. Okay, that's enough. Let's go. Former Vice President Joe Biden was also interviewed for the program. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the former guy, and remember, he was the current guy. It was, I think, uh, shortly before he was fired by the American people. But when he tells, he looks over, I, I assume he said hope. I assume he was speaking to his um, well-known assistant, Hope Hicks, I assume. Let me just see, because 
You're, again, you're on TV, 60 Minutes, definitely by far the best, the best news magazine in the history of news. So let's hear again. Let's go back. This is the tale of the tape as uh, presented by CBS to Eyeball News in New York. Mr. mentioned time remaining for the interview. The president abruptly ended it. I think we have enough of an interview here, Hope. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> I think we have enough of an interview here. That's enough. 11.28. What kind of a president would do that? Especially, I mean, how rude was that? Because he was being interviewed by the legendary correspondent Leslie Stahl. I mean, if it was Steve Croft or someone, I could understand. You don't walk out of an interview with Leslie Stahl on the hit CBS sitcom 60 Minutes. 1129, this is Bob Joseph, Friday morning on WNBF. I'm in Binghamton. WNBF Live on your Friday. Matt Ryan from Binghamton. Good morning. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Today? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, I'm doing some work on my house, but I was listening to the radio, especially at the end of the show yesterday. There was a gentleman, seemed like a nice man from Sydney, I think it was. But it was ironic because he was railing against uh, Biden and saying, what a great president. Uh, the former guy was on the day. And then one of the things he brought up was, uh, do you remember the day when our stock market was so high? <laughs> Just ironically, the thing is that made me realize that the night before he must have not listened to any news that told him that the stock market was at an all time high. It was so high. And some people right. were, had to do a double take when they looked at their 401ks because their 401ks were at record, record highs. So what I'm starting to realize is that these these folks don't ever, and then I, I, I switched to some of uh, the other stations that I don't normally watch a lot, and none of them were talking about the stock market being high. So so it might be that he never even, doesn't even know that the stock market is at an all-time high right now. Also, there's record low unemployment. There's record job creation. There's eight and that included 800, almost 800,000 manufacturing jobs since Joe Biden has been. Go look at how many um, manufacturing jobs Trump said he was going to bring back, brought back almost nothing. In fact, this big bust was that thing in Ohio that never happened. Oh, that was, wasn't that thing about Lordstown, Ohio? Wasn't that, didn't they uh, do an investigation and found out the whole thing was just a big lie? Well, are you surprised? <laughs> but no, anyway. I, I mean, well, not not so much it was a big lie, but they 
they touted that there were going to be lots and lots of people making these electric vehicles at a former GM plant, and the whole thing basically uh, crashed and burned shortly after the kid promised all these jobs. It reminded me of Pataki and Endicott, to be honest. Well, right. So then the, ga- the other thing is that right now Donald Trump's out there saying, remember when I was in office, gas prices were $1.87. That's total pants on fire lying. Never was that low while he was president. It was at least 50 cents higher. And the only reason gas prices were so low is because of the pandemic when there was no, you know, the demand. Oh, yeah. Bad. When people really, every place, not every place, but most places were closed. And basically the only thing that was allowed was essential travel. Of course, gas prices went down because right. because he suppressed demand because he shut down the whole country. Oh, and some governors did, too. I mean, they're the ones, because of their actions, they lowered gas prices because nobody needed gas. Well, one of the reasons we, you know, you could argue that one of the reasons he had to eventually shut down the whole country was because he was so incompetent in the way he dealt with the pandemic at first. Remember, he was in total denial. Well, and then he was saying we should shoot up Clorox. Come on, man, don't do that. You could get sick. So I just hope that, you know, the Republicans find a way to get away from this guy. I want to see a real go back to when we had, you know, two parties that had different philosophies, but at least they wanted to both try to make the country better. And that's not what we have under the MAGA influenced Republicans. And, and, and it's just, it's a disservice to our community. So get off this guy, find somebody else to support because Quite frankly, I mean, in some ways, I hope he is the candidate because he can't win. No, he could win. I'll tell you what, Matt Ryan from Binghamton, he could win. He could very well win, and I'll tell you why. Because because look at what's gone on in several states with just over the last few years, since 2020, steps have been taken to make it more likely if – if certain state officials have to take action in cases of close races, like in 2024, Republicans, some say the fix is in, in some of those key states. So, yes, he that, could win. That, that is, that's mostly untrue because mostly of those people that were um, running for uh, state attorney general, the people that have a say over that, a lot of them were defeated. Well, a lot were, but I'm saying there there are enough that it could make, it could, I'm not saying it will, it could make enough of a difference in some key states if things were close. I'm, I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying don't, don't rule the guy out. No, I want, I want, I mean, I want to be very vigilant. I'm not, I'm not saying it, it can't happen. But well, that's the thing. Nobody should be complacent. One of the things that we pointed out when, uh, the Republican, the county Republican chair, Benji Fetterman, was here, is every vote counts, and that includes local elections, and it even includes presidential elections. You know, you know, I believe in that, but I, I'm just saying, in general, I don't think there's, especially when, if you, if you watch anything but the sources that will tell you that, you know, Trump, MAGA thing is great. I mean, this guy is really, really losing it. He can't even hardly speak anymore. It goes off in these rambling things. I mean, there's so many. But sometimes, sometimes it's fascinating, especially if you're watching it live, because you wonder where, where exactly is he headed with this? Or it's, it's kind of, it's compelling. They ought to put it on pay per view because you never know how it's going to end up.
Yeah, I wish. I mean, all I'm asking people is to really look at both sides and, and look at what they try. They try to say Joe Biden is is like you know mentally deficient. This guy is saying. I mean, first he thought he ran. He ran against Obama for president, and then he said. Uh, I mean, he just rambles, and and there's so many clips out there. And if you watch them, you're going to say, oh, my God, this is the guy that uh, trying to say that Joe Biden is, is uh, less. I mean, when he started talking about those cognitive tests in the last few days, it was so bizarre. Well, I remember, I think four years ago, they gave him some kind of cognitive test on TV. And I think that's still online. I wonder if, wonder if we could find that because that was memorable. Memorable. If I don't find it today, maybe I'll find it for Monday's broadcast. DJ in Binghamton, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Hey, I wanted to say about um, the new Republican leader, Benji Fetterman. I heard him speak earlier, and I just said, wow, man, wow. I was so impressed. I have not heard anybody explain his job like him. And, you know, what's going on with everything. I just, that was the best interview that I've ever heard you do in a long, long time. Well, I'm glad you heard it. I I enjoyed our conversation. And, Bob, guess what? I got a hundred bucks to bet Vinny and Matt Ryan, who's also a former guy, so he shouldn't call President Trump the former guy because he's a former guy. I'll bet him a hundred bucks that what they're saying is hogwash on November sixth, twenty twenty four. I'm not even a betting man because I don't gamble, but for them, I'll, you know, the Lord will forgive me. And Bob, you saying that Leslie Stahl is a great anything? Anybody could do her job. You sit out and you interview. You don't have to set up. She, you know, it's harder to set up the lights and the cameras than it is to interview a person. You know how many people I've interviewed in my life on my Christian radio and TV shows in the past? Come on, Bob. All right. Well, I, I personally think she's doing the best she can. But if you want to cast aspersions, make it sound simpler than it is, trust me. Trust me. It's not as simple as it might look. Certainly not on 60 Minutes. There's a lot of pressure there, especially when you know the guy is on the verge of storming out. Oh, that's enough uh, interview right there. Don't storm out of Leslie Stahl's Q&A. She had more Q's to ask. She had plenty more Q's and she wanted more A's. You don't, well, I think you've got enough of an interview. Oh, Stay seated. We'll let you know when the interrogation is over. 607-772-1290. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on WNBF.
WNBF doing it in style. Tom in Susquehanna, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I'd like to change the subject. Uh, first, let me say, I don't like basketball. I played a little bit. I couldn't make it. But what I think they should do is, what they would do is have six feet and over and under six feet. So if you're six feet or under, you're in your own league. And when you're six feet and over, then you'll play in the other one. Because these guys now, they run down and they drop the ball in the net. I mean, that's ridiculous. Do you have a comment on that? No. Oh, you don't care. If they had a device that could, like a careometer that could actually measure precisely how much I care, you would see that it would be pegged at zero, maybe even into the negatives if it was one of those okay, uh, high-power high careometers. I okay. don't care. All right. Put it out there to the people. Say to them, if you can remember Monday, just say, uh, you know, what do you think about uh, doing the, uh, you know, have two leagues in basketball because there's a lot of guys that are under six feet or six feet that really are good ball handlers and stuff. And I think it would be good. You know? I mean, put it out. Maybe the people out there will do it. You, you guys are big up there, right? You got uh, Binghamton University's got a good basketball team, don't they? Yeah, they do. And the reason they're doing so well is because they're on WNBF and Roger Neal broadcasts okay. all the games because Roger Neal is a consummate professional. Right. You know what? Put it to him. You talk to him. And just say to him, we had a, a caller called up and said that. I bet you were surprised I didn't respond to Vinny or, uh, or Matt Ryan, huh? No, I'm not surprised. Why, why would you respond? What, what more is there to say? They've said well, all that I needs to be said. Yeah, I do not like, I mean, between you and me, they're still talking about Trump's cognitive re, uh, powers. Take a look at it. He passed the test. Biden couldn't know how to sit down at the desk. But I'll tell you where he failed is when he threw a little presidential fit yeah. and, and stormed out of the Leslie Stahl interview. As I said previously, oh. you, don't, you don't behave that way on 60 Minutes. That's not, that's not the kind of behavior that we should see from the most powerful person on the planet. Yeah, let me tell you something. Leslie Stahl is so overrated, it's unbelievable. You know, they were talking about, um, it was way back when, you know, uh, the best, best guy on that was Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was the guy. And uh, it, that was it. Leslie Stahl is terrible. Yeah, but she what about Morley Schaefer? Morley Schaefer was good. Uh, was Andy good. Rooney, he was good. I mean, he's the yeah. guy uh, who was most noted for the biggest eyebrows uh, in the country. <laughs> He was good. You know, also was the other guy that used to come up, the, the Irishman. He used to ride around the city on a scooter. You know, on a, what was his name? Bob Simon? No. The Bob guy Simon was, got killed in the city. No, no, this guy was the other. Wait a minute. 
Marley Safer, I guess he was the same. He was a heavy set guy with the bushy eyebrows. No, no, no. That was Andrew Rooney with the bushy oh, eyebrows. That's right. Bob he Simon was... got got killed. Didn't he get killed in New York City? I don't know. I I never followed it. Uh, Leslie Stahl was so stupid I couldn't. I really didn't want to. He, get oh, he was killed. That. He wasn't on a scooter. He was in a car crash on the West Side Highway. Were you there? Oh, well, when okay. when were you last in New York City? What year? Uh, let me see now. I think I was really down there the last times I'd say in the nineties, maybe. Oh, okay. You know? So he was and, well, he was I, riding I was around down. of all places. Yeah. I mean, Bob Simon from sixty Minutes and CBS News, he um he had been in a lot of um, predicaments in his career. In fact, even one time he was held hostage for several days. When was it? Iraq? I think they yeah, yeah. they held him as a hostage, but he survived that. And then one one afternoon or one evening, he's uh, riding. I don't think he, I don't know if he was driving. I don't think he was driving. But anyway, he was, it said he was discovered February 11th, 2015. He was discovered unconscious with severe head injuries you know the West Side Highway. We love oh, the yeah. West Side Highway, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but if if you crash, you could get killed, and that's what um, happened. Said his for hire driver lost control, and the car collided with another vehicle. And Bob Simon, who had survived war situations as well as being yeah. held hostage, they had to extricate him from the roof of the limo, and he died. Anyway, I know that's yeah. not why you called, but still. I, yeah. I, I really thought Bob Simon was uh, was one of the better no, correspondents. I like Dan, Andy Rooney and... Uh, Dan Rather. Yeah. He was good. No, no, Dan... Yes, he was, good. except for that one time when he lied about George W. Bush. Remember <laughs> remember he made up something was, about George that was, that W. Bush? one time, all the other time. The best one <laughs> was Mike Wallace. And you know Chris Wallace? Yeah. Chris Wallace would be selling pickles on uh, on Canal Street <laughs> if he if he wasn't uh, Mike Wallace's son. I mean, I don't understand. And, and Mike Wallace was a good reporter, and that's what you need. You always say, oh, you know, we don't have... This is why you don't have any good reporters now. You got Leslie Stahl. She is the best. She's the best She's in the, the business. Best. They they yeah, often the say, of all the people... on find a way into the studio. <laughs> well, that's why you she know? has an assistant. Yeah. I mean, do you I, think, do you, seriously, do you think anybody who works, I'm not talking about the researchers and writers and producers, but any of the yeah. so-called talent, the people you see on camera, the people who are public-facing, do you think any of them ever has to drive anywhere or whatever? They have an assistant. They, they get through Manhattan. That's probably, sadly, one no. of the reasons why Bob Simon died. Probably if he had been driving... He would have been driving appropriately on the West Side Highway and not have gotten involved in a crash. But anyway, those 60 Minutes people, they're, they're treated so well, they're whisked from, say, the, the 60 Minutes studio probably to some of the more elite restaurants on the Upper West Side. I mean, no, so, uh, so well, Leslie guess, Stahl doesn't have them. to find her way to the studio. The studio... It, hey, they pick her up at her posh apartment and then, you know... They drive her through the city traffic, you know, the, the, dri the driver of her car opens the door, and then the, a security guy at CBS News Broadcast Center lets her in. Eh, you, you, know. Know who, you know who drives into the city, Bobby? He's on your station. Bob? 
Bongino. No. Oh, no, Bongino doesn't even do his show. Bongino is another person who won't even go to a radio studio. He's doing his show from his home. Anyway, so who who drives into the city? Um, Levin? No. No, no, Levin's another one. He does his show. These people who do their show, not Hannity. Hannity drives in. Hannity half the time isn't doing his show from the New York studio. Well, well, well. And by the way, Hannity, here's a story about Hannity. Don't bring up Hannity with me because Hannity, remember when he was in Binghamton in 2020, he was supposed to do his, he was supposed to do his show right here from the WNBF studios. And you know what? Because it was a Friday and he was too good to stay in Binghamton after he taped the uh, program for broadcast later on on Fox Cable Channel with Ted Cruz. So instead of staying here and doing his radio show from the WNBF studios, as he said he would, instead he slithered out of town and took his personal private jet back from Binghamton Airport to Long Island. And he left us in the lurch. We had a studio that was all warmed up and ready. We had spent, I felt badly for our engineer. Sean had spent something like a week getting the studio ready. And then Sean Hannity had the audacity because he wanted, that's back when he still had two mansions on Long Island. So he took his private jet, flew from Binghamton Airport. So he was back in Long Island probably in about, I would say probably about 38 minutes after he flew out of BGM Airport. That's the type of guy that Hannity is. Hey, Bob. Bob. Bobby? Yeah, Bobby? I'm, I'm here. Listen, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you listen. talk. Oh, well, that's what I was going to say. Why do you take calls? Hannity does not have a private jet. Hannity drives into work. And he used to drive... Under the Madison Square Garden thing there. Oh, and another guy. Well, Bob Joseph, that's not, not Bob Joseph. Bob Grant. He used to drive in, but I don't want to, you know, that's... that's so when I, when I went to the city, I used to drive around the city, too. Uh, you I know. drive, too. Of I, course. I, you, you're, I a former a NY, you're a former NYPD cop. You have courage. Right. What about me? I'm a not sergeant. a cop. You were a sergeant. a sergeant. Right. Hey, I got to run. We're we're out of time. Plum out of time. Hey, it's been a great week. I'll be back Monday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM W221 EJ Binghamton.